Hi and hello watch fans and welcome to the final part of our preparation for the Red Bar Southeast event due to be held in Brighton on September 16th. Today we'll be talking to representatives from Elliot Brown, Zero West, Vertex and Schofield. So let's dive straight into things with Don Cochran, founder and CEO of Vertex. I've never met Don, we've never spoken before, so this is a new experience for me and I'm looking forward to hearing more about his connection to the company and exactly how familiarly involved he is with the brand of Vertex. Don, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Would you be kind enough to give the Real Time Show listeners a potted history of the brand and your involvement with it, please? Sure, it'd be my absolute pleasure. So Vertex was founded by my great-grandfather, Claude Lyons, in 1912 um, in London, in Handgarden. They made lots of civilian watches, and obviously they also made watches during the First World War. Um, in 1938, um, my, well, 1937, actually, my grandfather married my grandmother. And in 1938, he joined Vertex and was very involved in requisition of watches during the Second World War. That, in part, led to Vertex being part of what's called the Dirty Dozen, which are the 12 watch manufacturers that applied the British during the Second World War, as well as supplying lots of other watches that are less well-known during during that period. After the war, um, Vertex moved back into civilian timepieces, mainly because they were sort of uh, only allowed to import a certain number of movements under rationing. And so it made more sense to concentrate on commercial um, civilian movements than uh, military ones. That went on till 1972, when my grandfather, Henry, decided he wanted to retire. The lease on our factory in Hatton Garden had come up and, and uh, they closed the business down at that point. And that's where it would have remained, really, apart from, I guess it's about eight years ago now, my grandmother died, um, Henry's wife, and we were super close, and I was sitting at work feeling very sad about it. And a little bit of an epiphany, really, I thought, wouldn't it be nice to bring her father's watch company back, just to sort of keep her in my life, really? And that's when I started discovering all these wonderful stories um, about Vertex. Obviously, Vertex had been a part of my life growing up, but it was mainly the end part of the company and not the fun part of the company. If you Googled Vertex or the Dirty Dozen when I, before I started restarted Vertex, you'd find nothing about it at all. It was it was very unknown or un, untold story. And obviously, since we restarted Vertex, it's become quite a well-known story. So that's been amazing and a lot of fun. Um, and that's kind of how we got to where we are now. So that's really interesting that you were actually responsible for the Dirty Dozen story, which is now one of the biggest and you know go-to stories in the watchmaking industry, especially in watch collecting because some of those pieces are so seldom seen in real life and especially in good condition. I always assumed that you had basically known about this for time immemorial and you thought, hey, wouldn't it be great if we brought back a watch that echoed that style but was developed in a modern standard? Because I know how good the quality of your products is because I own an MP45 manual wine chronograph. I love it and I particularly love the Lumicast numerals on it. And the original, was that the M100? Is that right? Yeah, the M100 was the original. Yeah. I mean, that one is exactly what I think all brands should try and do when they look into their own back catalogs and say, okay, we're going to do a re-edition, but we don't want to just make it as it was because as it was, was a little bit crap. So we're going to take it and we're going to put it through the modern manufacturing process, make this idea as well as it can be made. And I can't really think of a better example of how to do that side by side with the original Dirty Dozen Vertex contribution and the M100. So what did you think the reaction to that watch was when it came out? And was it buoyed by people's further understanding of the story that you brought back to light? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of um, 
what makes us love watches is the stories that the watch tells, either the design iconography that speaks to you or, or what that watch represents. And you'll find lots of watch brands that make watches that are in homage to this story or this person or this boat or this helicopter or this aircraft. The nice thing about Vertex is we get to tell our story, which is something um, not a lot of people get to do, which is a, a real privilege, especially when those watches were on the wrists of soldiers that fought about the beaches in Normandy and went on to liberate uh, Europe and Asia. Um, so when I restarted Vertex, um, I didn't know all that much about watchmaking. Um, it wasn't my um, thing. It wasn't my passion. So I, I learned a lot very quickly. One thing I knew for sure is I wanted the quality level to be the very best it could be. So from the very start, there was never a question of, can we make this a bit cheaper? It's, is this the best we can use for this? And is this the best we can use for that? So that's always been at the core of what we do. At the same time, we did a lot of designs very early on that moved further away from the original um, Caliber 59 Dose Dozen Watch, because I, I didn't want to just do a a copy or a, a, a reissue of it. But the more time I spent with the watch, the more I kind of fell in love with the design of it and the, the detail of it. And then it became just a question of how close to the scale format of the original watch can we make it? How big can that sub-second be? Because the sub-second is sort of governed by the position of the sub-second in the movement. And, and, you know, we spent a lot of time really on those details, which is amazing. At the same time, um, Superluminova had just started um, doing this molded Superluminova process. And that just seemed to make a lot of sense for the watch too. Um, it was never really, it, it was just an easy thing to do really. That, you know, the original watch, the luminescence of it was so important that to make the luminescence the key feature of the new one, um, or standout feature if you like, seemed to make sense too. And it's incredible to see how other companies have adopted that technology too now, since then. And, and um, I think that's a really flattering process. Yeah, it is. But I mean, I'm, it's not surprising because the effect you managed to achieve with that was absolutely superb. And to lead the way in bringing that kind of luminosity to a very affordable watch really is uh, something quite special. So I'm sure in this case, imitation surely is the sincerest form of flattery. Now, tell me about the Aqualion, yeah. because this is a dive watch. It's the only one of your pieces I've never handled. And I love the <laughs> cute and crazy little <laughs> motif on the back of the case. But where did that idea come from? Yeah, so, I mean, I've always loved diving. So diving is a passion of mine. And dive watches have always been, if I had a watch collection, and mine is tiny compared to most of the people we talk to, um, it was very much around dive watches. Um, so I'd always wanted to make a dive watch. Vertex did make dive watches. Um, we made some really... Interesting one. So the Aquiline dial is taken from one of our dive watches, slightly enhanced, obviously, with molded superluminova. Um, and then it was basically just how good can we make it? So it's Swiss ISO rated, which means it's pressure tested, it's heated and cooled, it's oil dipped, it's a whole bunch of stuff to make sure that it passes and it's not sample testing, every watch is tested. And then it's cost certified as well, obviously. Um, 600 meters water resistant, so it's about as bulletproof as, as you can make a thing. So, and a beautiful um, Celita SW300 movement, which is a, a top execution one. So it's got a really beautiful bearing, such a soft, beautiful, thin movement. So it allows the watch to be very thin for a watch that's water to 600 meters. So it's just about, it's really trying to make something as technically high level as we possibly could, which I think we achieved, which is good. The logo on the back is actually, so my great-grandfather's first watch company was Dreadnought, uh, which unfortunately someone else owns that name now. But we, um, the logo for it was was the Aqualine, which is on the back of the Aqualine, um, <laughs> and so that, that we've now we trademarked that logo, um, put it on the back. And Dreadnought, if you um, 
it's Latin. If you translate it to English, it means fear nothing. So all our serial numbers now start with FN to represent that, that connection too. Very cool. Very cool indeed. I love these little stories that pop up and they never emerge unless people ask. So I'm, I'm glad that you were willing to share that with us. Talking of things that don't pop up unless we make an effort, we've got this event coming up on September 16th in Brighton and you'll be attending along with 11 other British brands. How important to you and to Vertex are these events where you get to get in front of the fans of watchmaking that I guess sustain your company? Yeah, I mean, it's super important. Um, it's really lovely to engage with people directly. It's really important for people to be able to touch and feel what we do because it doesn't necessarily come across in photography. And generally when people handle watches in person, they're super impressed, which is lovely. It's also just nice to connect with people and share our story with them directly. And you know, one of the lovely things about the way Vertex sells watches, we sell them directly to customers either through our website or through our store in Mayfair. Um, so we know everyone that's bought a watch. So it's sometimes we haven't met them in person. So it's really lovely to have the opportunity. You know, the people that buy Vertex watches are Vertex watches. That, that's how the company works. So it's really important. So you've been in existence or re-existence now, should I say, for eight years or so, if I'm correct. And you have how many models in the collection? Yeah, so we've actually really, I restarted the company obviously eight years ago, but the, the launch of the first watch was 2017. So it's five and a half years um, in production. And we have the M100, um, which has a couple of dial variations. We have the MP45, which you're familiar with, which has um, a couple of dial variations. And then we have the um, uh, M60 Aqualion, which again has a couple of dial variations. And um, later this year, we'll be showing something else. Um, sadly, it won't be ready in time for our, our little meetup. Um, and then next year, we've got uh, one other kind of fun and exciting launch. But there's loads of interesting things going on. Very exciting stuff, because I'm sure that fans of Vertex are really eager to see some more pieces from you and where you're going to take the design language next. Will you be able to show people in Brighton even a sneak peek of what's coming but won't be ready yet? I think I might. <laughs> you heard it here first on the Real Time Show, ladies and gentlemen. So if you want to get a little bit of an exclusive from Vertex and meet Don in person and see these watches on the wrist, which I really do advise they come to life when you're wearing them, get down to Brighton September 16th and say hello to Don and the Vertex team. Thanks for your time, Don. We'll speak to you soon. Great. Thank you very much. Next up, I am joined by Guy Allen of Elliot Brown. Welcome to the studio, Guy. Thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you. So tell me, what is it you do at Elliot Brown? Uh, I head up sales. Um, so everything um, that is remotely sales related is is down to me. And you work on the road a lot, do you? Uh, yes, we have a salesman on the road as well. And I look after national accounts. So it's it's a mix of, of office-based and, and on the road. So it sounds like the business is going in the right direction if you have multiple members of the sales team traveling around the country. So how many points of sale do you have right now? Uh, we have approximately 60. 60? Yeah. Bloody hell, that's good. We're doing well. So for our listeners of The Real Time Show that maybe haven't encountered Elliot Brown before, because a lot of them are on the continent or in the US, tell us about the brand, who you are, where you came from as a brand, and yeah, where you're going. Okay, so uh, the brand uh, started 10 years ago. The two founders, Ian Elliot and Alex Brown, um started the brand and ian was the founder of animal and i don't know whether you're familiar with animal i'm sure a lot of people will be uh it's the surf brand that started as a watch strap quite rapidly became uh, a watch and then morphed into any number of things from retail stores to uh, mitsubishi l200 pickup trucks 
Um, so uh, the the uh, and Alex Brown was the uh, was the watchmaker and watch designer at Animal. So cut to 2013. Uh, they both uh, in the in the process of doing different things, and they came together and decided that they knew every possible computation of problem that could happen with a, with a sports watch. And if they created a sports watch that took out all of those problems, you know, where would it be in price? What would it look like? How, how would the whole thing work? And that's where Elliot Brown uh, came from. So first, first uh, range uh, launched in 2014. And the whole concept behind the, the product was to make the best tool stroke sports watch uh, imaginable that can be worn every day. Very good. And do you think they've achieved that goal? Uh, yes, uh, t- definitely. Uh, yeah, everything we do, uh, we put the most detail into possible. So we have a uh, a steel cased inner core, which acts as a suspension system, which makes the watch very, very robust. We have a five-year warranty. We have uh, a, a triple seal crown system on all our watches, whether that be watches that have a screw-down crown or otherwise. We have a screw-on case back on all our watches uh, rather than screw-down crown. So that avoids uh, any any metal getting into the case when you're screwing it in. It also makes certain that the the logo uh, is the is the right way around all the time, which is, which is a nice feature. But yes, everything we do, uh, we we work very hard to make our watches as resilient as we possibly can. And I think the guarantee stands up to that. You know, if your extreme lifestyle um, breaks our watch, then we'll repair it. Yeah, I mean, it, they all look very very strong, very robust and resilient. But the price point is quite varied so you have watches coming in uh, just a few hundred euros and some uh, a few thousand can you explain the difference to us please yeah the uh it is the 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 watch at 2375 in sterling is a little bit of an outlier in as much as um so we started um about eight seven eight years ago uh, working with uh, a, a group of the special forces and we made a watch for their association and that watch uh, was very well received by the association. And some of the guys, uh, the badged guys, started wearing that watch and came to us and said, could you create a watch directly for us? Which we did. That uh, watch is our Holton watch, and it has a NATO stock number. And, uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's a very, very resilient watch with, with a number of features on it that were built into it through the, the conversations that we had to get this absolutely right. Uh, and that, that's the Holton. So cut to um, about three years ago, uh, further conversations were had about, is it possible to make a watch with a countdown and count up timer on it in one go? Never been done before. We said, yeah, probably. Uh, and therefore, uh, we set out and, and, and designed and produced the Beachmaster. Um, and we have a, a patent on the Beachmaster. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's, it's got a Salita movement in it. Uh, and it's a very complex watch, and he- hence that that's two thousand three hundred pounds. Uh, so it is at the moment a little bit of an outlier for us, but we are moving um, the collection steadily north, not not leaving our roots, but certainly expanding into 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 more price points. And are you stocked all over the world as it stands? Uh, no, we are. Uh, we're stocked a little bit in the US. Uh, we're stocked um, a little bit in Australia, but we are mostly stocked in the UK. We are a UK domestic. Anywhere in Europe, yep. Yes, a couple of places in Denmark, but uh, but but no more than that. How interesting. Yeah, the Scandinavians do love a nice, tough watch, that's for sure. You mentioned the logo in passing. What's the story behind it? It is a stylized EB. Hmm, so it is. How clever. <laughs> Nobody sees it until you mention it. Oh, yeah, now it sticks out like a sore thumb. That's brilliant. That's lovely. It's really nice, actually. I, I assumed it was going to have some, some kind of English connotation, but no, it's... Uh... Very smartly done. 
So tell me this, how important are events like the Red Bar event you'll be attending on September 16th in Brighton with so many of your peers? I think they're very important uh, and, and ever more so. I think that the relationship that brands now have with the end consumer is is a vital one because we uh, we we can explain and show more about who and what we are and what we do than we necessarily can through retail and that's not being in any way disrespectful to our retailers i think it's just it's just a fact that um to into in, you know 20 years ago someone went into a, into a jewelers and asked you know you tell me a good watch tell me tell me about that today um, end consumers have done a, a huge amount of research before they ever pull the trigger on, on on buying a new watch, and so it behoves us to make certain that we are getting in front uh, of 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 like minded people who, who who people who are uh, in our uh, in our area of of, of expertise who who want uh, a technical sports watch, um, and and therefore yeah, it's in, in any show like this is is vital for us. So will you be attending any more before the end of the year? Uh, yes, we're doing the the BQ show um, in Radlett in September, and um, then not until uh, next year are we doing any other shows. We do we do tr- we also do trade shows, which are specifically for retail jewelers. Those are the only two that we're doing, uh, which are B to C. Very good, very good. Uh, tell me this: what watch have you got on your wrist right now? Uh, I have our Beachmaster. Oh, do you? Of course you do. Top end, yeah. top of the range. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing but the best. Well, it, what's your What's your best seller? Uh, our best seller is definitely our holds. Okay, okay, okay. And and any point of fact to that end, we're expanding that collection out uh, in 2024 um, into into several new and exciting areas. Um, you know, realizing that that's really our our, our key area. Um, uh, you know, everything else sells well, but the Holton is 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 our is our unique uh, point of reference. I would say so. We are. Um, uh, we're expanding that out next year. Very nice. So you're going to be in Brighton and you're going to be there with a, another 11 British brands. How many of these brands have you seen before and which ones are you most looking forward to seeing either for the first time or again? Uh, I think uh, I think we, we've we've probably um, seen pr- pretty much all of them. Uh, I, I, I'm always pleased to be in the, com- in the co- company of everybody. I think, I, you know, I don't think there's spe- specifically one brand that's, that I'd like to see. I I just enjoy being in that environment. You 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 fire well off other people. Um, you, you get a broader audience because there are lots of brands that aren't similar to us. Uh, so we 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 are appreciated by more people, and I think the more brands, the better. Yeah, very very nicely said. Very diplomatically answered as well. So, beyond your involvement with Elliot Brown, are you a watch fan yourself? Uh, yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. I've been in the watch industry for forty two years. So I'd be, it'd be fairly depressing if I wasn't a watch fan. Well, you never know. You do meet them. Sometimes it amazes me, but there are plenty of people in the industry that aren't actually in it for the same reasons as you or I might be. And beyond Ellie Brand, which brands do you have in your collection? Oh, crikey. Um, I've got lots. Um, Rolex, Patek, AP. Um, Some heavy hitters. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's again, it's collections over the course of years, isn't it? Not everything is as rarefied uh, as it used to, or it not everything it, which is rarefied today necessarily was in the past. So it's it's been a collection born of many years. So would you say, out of forty two years in the watch industry, that this is the most enjoyable and exciting position that you've held thus far? Yeah, it is. It's always it's it's nice to be part of an independent brand. It's nice to see you know the brand growing and, and achieving and be part of that yeah absolutely and and it's a great team we have you know ian and alex foster a fantastic fantastic team and and it's just really nice to be part of absolutely 
What a lovely sentiment and a lovely place to end our short interview. We'll get you back on the show for a full-length interview at some point in the future. Guy, thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Thank you. Okay, next up, we're joined by Andrew Braben of Zero West Watches, another British stalwart on the watchmaking scene. Andrew, nice to speak to you. Nice to speak to you, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. It is my pleasure. Now, our listeners to The Real Time Show may not have encountered Zero West before because we haven't been on the show for a full-length interview, which is something we can rectify in the future. So for those of you that do not know Zero West, please give them an introduction. Yeah, so basically Zero West was set up by myself and my business partner, Graham Collins, in 2016. We've both been watch nuts. Uh, My background's branding, graphics, graphics. when I was at art college, I bought and sold swatch watches. I pimped them up. Um, and Graham's been into watches since a young age. And it, I'd, I'd always meet him every year. And he'd always say to me, I oh, wanted to design a watch. And he's one of these kind of clever guys that could build his own house being an engineer. And his background with military engineering and done a lot of work in aerospace. And, and one Christmas, just before Christmas 2016, he sent me a render over email uh, for a watch body. It was really, really cool. And he, he kind of said, what do you think? And I, I, I had, you know, some time that Saturday and I designed him a dial, stuck it into the 3D render. I turned it into an advert with a chrome plane. It was very brightlingish. And I just sent it back saying, look, your, your watch is great. It could look like this. Off you, kind of almost off you go. You know, you, you should follow through with this. And he just emailed back saying, do you want to set up a watch brand? And it, it was very tongue in cheek. And the following week, we, we met up, we sat down and, and we realized what I could do, he couldn't do, and our combined skills we, we might stand a small chance of actually being able to design a watch. And, and that's where it kind of really started. And, um, you know, like all, like all brands, you kind of, you, you design, you, you know, the plan was to design one watch, uh, maybe see how that goes. But what, what actually happened was over a, over a three-year period, we spent three years uh, just designing, and we thought that we could launch with actually a range of watches. Looking back, it was highly ambitious but i think because of our combined skill set we thought we could do it so we 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 actually launched with i think it was six watches and in that three years uh we trademarked the logo we we did all the prototypes um we um uh, we designed the website in-house and it was a, 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 a massively long process but incredibly rewarding so that's kind of it kind of took over our lives uh and i i think anybody in the watch business would probably uh, confirm with that that it really is uh, it, it kind of has to be an obsession but um, it's a massively exciting one for us so that's kind of how it kind of how it started um, but what was really interesting for us to separate us from other brands we didn't want to be a me too brand and so from the outset you know Graham was really kind of had this clear vision of what he wanted the architecture or the metalwork or the identity of our watches to look like so We'd like to think that we've achieved that. We've got a uh, all our watches are, uh, are, are made on a, out of billet three one six L, and they're all uh, machined on a five axis machine, and that allows us to get the shapes and the dual sculpt, sculpted lugs, uh, which have become synonymous with the Zero West House style. Uh, and all our watches also are kind of um, commemorate a British engineering achievement, be it the birth of the Spitfire, land speed records. And, and then on top of that, some of our watches actually house historical material that are connected with the story in the back. So that's kind of a, 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 an overarching summary of where our, our brand is. But also what makes us special is we make them in really, really small quantities, 20 of one watch, 50 of another. I think the max quantity we do is 100. And, and we mainly sell to collectors. So they've they're, they're become highly collectible. 
Very interesting. Why is it you decided to limit the pieces? Is that so you can manage your own production timelines and make sure that you can stay on top of supply? Or is that simply to create a little bit of a spur to buy? Yeah, I think a spur to buy. I think for us, when you're, uh, we're kind of very much design and engineering led. Uh, I think an investor would probably um, cringe at maybe the, some of the decisions that we make. But ultimately, we're not about growing to be, we're not, because we're, uh, you know, watch enthusiasts and design and design driven. Uh, for us, it's about creating the best product. So, you know, we we are very much about the stories uh, and also the horology. And I think that for us, um, really, you know, making, you know, you know, hats off to Christopher Ward that really they're at the pinnacle, they're at the other end of the spectrum. But for us, we, we like to be niche and uh, we've got a, a customer base that appreciate that and uh, buy into that limited, you know, beautifully crafted engineered watches but are just you know small Uh, so there's there's this kind of real drive i think the biggest surprise to us as a brand is not how many people have got one or two of our watches but how many have got you know four or five of our watches it's been um yeah astounding and rewarding in in the same breath is this uh, a full-time endeavor for you now oh oh yes (laughs) uh yeah uh it's been full-time probably uh, well when we started in 2016 it was a couple of days a week and weekends and evenings. Uh, and I think going into late 2017, it became a full-time job from, from there. Mm-hmm. And I bet it dominates all of your free time as well. Uh, yeah. I don't know what free time is. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that's great. I mean, we, you know, we get emails in from customers in the States or on a different time zone. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's great to facilitate their passion. Uh, and that's how they connect to the brand, which they, uh, like to get because I think some of the larger brands that, that that's that's you know they wouldn't necessarily get that from some of the larger brands. So you mentioned uh, the lugs specifically when you were talking about the five-axis machining that your cases require. Is that because the lugs are a separate part from the case? And if so, how many pieces go into making, let's say, your standard case? Yeah, I mean, the standard case has a cylindrical part that houses the movement and the dial. Obviously, with the sapphire has a back to it um, and some of those uh, are intricately engraved we do those locally to our studio uh, or, or their exhibition backs housing the historic material in them and then the the lugs uh, which are dual, which are dual sculpted as we call them uh, um, are separately engineered uh, and they're screwed into the case and that allows us to mix the finishes uh, and and also give our watches an identity they're not stamped out mm-hmm. uh, it's quite interesting actually because I, I kind of do a slideshow on uh you know, branding and uh, to do with watches and the watch industry. And it, it's, it's, there are lots of cases that are, are, are very similar. And, and I think from the outset, when Graham designed the watch, it was really important for us to, whether you liked it or you didn't like it, we had our own identity. You know, it's like a Panerai. You can spot a Panerai from across the room. And we wanted to achieve that. And, and in a market that's so saturated, uh, let's say, uh, that, that's a tall order. A t- that's a, that's a difficult thing to achieve. Um, so that was that was our that was our primary goal. Well, I think you achieved that. They do not look like anything else that I can think of, and even though maybe there's one or two things that you can point to and say, "Oh, I've seen shades of that before." The absolute combination of everything is just totally unique. And you know, like you say, for better or for worse, some people will love this design, some people obviously won't because it's just non-standard, and that's very hard to do when you are restrained by the requirements of making a watch, which is a very limited canvas of design, as I always say. Now, tell me about this, okay? You're a small-ish brand. You're growing. You've got a dedicated following. But how important to you are events like the Red Bar 
Southeast meetup that you're all going to be attending in Brighton on September 16th? They're massively important. Uh, they're massively important to to meet watch enthusiasts, uh, and in a concentrated period of time, you get loads of feedback. You get to you get to ask loads of questions about you know not not just our watches, but what watches that they love that they have in their collection, what what they're into, their what particular aspects of horology and watches that 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 they that really tick all their boxes, and and through that as well, it's just all the personalities. It's a massive. Uh, bonding uh, uh event that, that that that's that's you come back buzzing absolutely buzzing and for a small brand like us that's an online brand they're vitally important and important for for many that have seen our watches online or read about us uh to actually hold the watches and, and actually see them firsthand and, and that is vitally important because word of mouth is how we get the majority of our business uh so that the, the, you know we're exceptionally um uh, you know fortunate to have been asked to come to this red bar event in september in brighton and we're really excited and you know we're going to pull out the stops to make sure that those that have, have made the journey from near and afar that it's it was rewarding uh for them to attend so we're really excited to be part of it yeah i can imagine i mean it's going to be a fantastic event with so many exciting brands and this beautiful community spirit that you referenced before British watchmaking is in a very, very good situation right now with so many diverse characters bringing lots of different watches to the table. But of the 11 brands that you will be exhibiting alongside in Brighton, which one are you most looking forward to seeing again? Well, I, you know, Nicholas at Fears is great. He's always fascinating to talk to. He has a great uh, uh, angle on on the watch, uh, watch world and community. He's great. Uh, I, I particularly also love speaking to Giles. Uh, when we were setting up Jarts from Schofield, when we were setting up the brand, uh, I, I had a great conversation with him and he was very gracious with his time. And every time I see him, I, I, he, 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 he thinks on our wavelength, he, he's into that s sort of ma macro detail that, that maybe a lot of people would miss, but it's important to him. It's also important to us. So I love catching up with Giles. Uh, for him, the passion, it, you know, if you cut him in half, it, you know, I'm sure he's gone. <laughs> You know, it's through him. Uh, and, and there's numerous other people that we see at all the shows. Uh, you know, Richard from Studio Underdog, he's doing great things as well. Um, there's some, yeah, it's just a great community. And everybody just really looks forward, forward to seeing each other. Nobody sees each other as competitors. And it, as you say, it's a great community to be part of. And I just wish there were more shows like this. How many shows do you do here? Well, we don't do that many. We probably do about four, maybe maybe five shows. Yeah, not not really that many. Uh, what we find is a lot of people, because we've got this beautiful old boathouse design studio on the south coast, which has got, you know, it's got a crash Spitfire engine in here. We've got a cafe racer, beautiful ejector seat. And it's a great, we, we you know, great location overlooking the water. We find a lot of people do come an awful long way to see us. Uh, and they're often here for a couple of, a couple of hours. So, you know, the shows are great and we, and, and we wish there were more of them. Uh, that, that we feel that would you know be worth us going to. So uh, hopefully this is this is this is the start of something that we can we can roll out to other areas of the UK through other red bars. Well, let's hope that is the case, and I'm sure that with the connections that you have with with the red bar team in, in the southeast now, that will be ever more possible. And of course, you've always got Manchester on the line. Just give me a shout, and you can drive up the road to see us up there. That would be great. Yeah, that would be brilliant. I mean, I'm sure you'd find a lot of people interested in the watches up north. So. Let's do that. Let's try and grow this Red Bar event scene because, I mean, it's the best thing in the world when we can get together in the same room and look at watches, especially ones that 
like yours aren't easy to find on the wrist because you have you know, retailers, you're online only. So getting down to these events can be the difference maker, I'm sure. Andrew, thank you for your time. I'm looking forward to seeing you whenever we get the chance to catch up and keep up the good work. Thanks a lot, Rob. Appreciate it and speak soon. All the best. Next up is our good friend Giles Ellis, thus far the only two-time guest on The Real Time Show. So he's back again for round three. Giles, how are you doing, mate? I'm very good, thanks, Rob. Good to have you here and good to be chatting about an event on home turf, an event that many people I know are traveling to specifically to see you and your wares. What will you have to show them when they arrive in Brighton on September 16th? Well, Rob, I'm reluctant to answer that question wholly because... I've been keeping my cards pretty close to my chest on this. People know the Obscura is forthcoming, and I do hope to have an uh, uh, do hope to have an Obscura for the show. And the Obscura is our new, more expensive watch. It kind of falls side by side with the Black Lamp. People will remember the Black Lamp uh, being a, a concept design, uh, a material specifically, and the Obscura is taking that idea another step. Uh, a very fancy Damascus case, the same movement as the Black Lamp, the Unitas movement, but a dial and handset case back and strap and packaging that is uh, creative, to say the least. I also hope to be uh, bringing something else with me that I'm not even going to name right now that has been, again, a long time in the making, but a whole new case shape. This is the first time I've mentioned this, a new case shape, new dimensions, and this is uh, important because I have kept the familiar K-shape for the last 15 years since it was first designed. So there's been nothing new from that K-shape until now, and I hope to bring that with me as well. So that's pretty big news. I won't push you on the subject because I know that we want it to be a big surprise when it finally hits the general release. But I have to say, knowing what I know, which is nothing, of course, because you haven't told me anything. But knowing what I know, which is based on huge assumptions, it's going to be quite something. And people are going to be very, very excited to see it. And they should definitely travel along to Brighton. If you haven't already made travel plans, booked your accommodation, or got any tickets for the event, then go sort that out and get down there. And join a red bar. You need to join a red bar. Are you a member of a red bar chapter officially, Giles, or not? I, I am not, actually. I've never really been involved with red bar. I don't know if this actually forces my membership and I am now a member but I'm not quite sure how it works I'm very naive to it I've loved uh, talking to the team uh, in in organizing this event and uh, think it's going to be very exciting obviously it's on home turf for me which is fantastic Um, I've only got to drive around the corner uh, and I'm there so uh, all in all I think it's going to be a very well organized event um, with a uh, team of people that really know what they're doing. Uh, also, my colleagues, there's so many other super brands there, um, and uh, I think it's going to make for a really good day out. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be superb, and I wish I could actually be there myself. Unfortunately, I can't, but there are a lot of people, not just fans of watchmaking, but also owners of your fellow brands that will be attending and showing their wares that are excited to see you and your product specifically. Now, who amongst your fellow displayers are you most interested in seeing? I always like catching up the people behind the brands and less about the products themselves. So uh, I don't mean that to sound uh, disinterested, but uh, I know that, um, I well, I think that Nick from Fears, he's always great to hang out with. I'm not sure if Piers from Pinion's going to be there, but uh, we've got Elliot Brown and, and uh, I don't know, Garrick even going. I should have the list, shouldn't I, in front of me. 
Uh, but they're all chums of mine and, um, you know, it'd be great to see them all. And it's just really nice to be able to hang out with them and uh, shoot the breeze, as it were, and uh, share ideas, which is uh, always a lot of fun. What is it you get most out of that kind of relationship? Is it just a sense of camaraderie? I mean, I know your watches are unlike anything else in the industry, and that's down to your own design sensibilities, which are completely inimitable, I would say. But do you get inspiration? Do you get energy? Is it, or is it just a nice feeling to feel like you're not alone in this uh, in this journey? Yeah, good question. And a bit of both. Um, so first of all, we tend to uh, talk about all the negatives and the hardships, and that certainly puts you in a club of uh, you know, struggling and suffering uh, as we are as uh, British independents. Um, I've mentioned this before on, on numerous uh, talks that there's no infrastructure for us. And so you're kind of on your own and you, you, you feel that way, uh, you know, struggling with um, VAT uh, complexities and uh, manufacturing complexities and all sorts of those issues. And sometimes we share suppliers and so uh, th- they may go under or, 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 or just be generally hopeless. And so we will, we will, talk, we will talk about that. Uh, that's wonderful for, from a solidarity point of view. Also, if I see somebody doing something really brilliant, that motivates me out of spite and jealousy to do better myself. Um, if I see somebody doing something that uh, really pushes creativity to a, a new a new place, uh, I like to think of myself as being being uh, at the tip of the spear when it comes to creative watchmaking uh, in the UK, and so that that will in fact motivate me, and uh, that's generally out of jealousy. Right down to business cards, displays, you know, all of those kind of things. And uh, I'll come away and and write notes on how to improve my game for the next show. You've got quite a track record of awesome business cards, by the way. I've kept like a lot of your business cards from years gone by. I remember you used to have a really thick, heavy, white, I think, letterpress card with bronze uh, SWC uh, logo deeply uh, embossed. It was absolutely gorgeous. I've still got it. And um, little tip for you, I don't know if you've seen them before, but I got some great business cards in the post yesterday from our friend Ben Lee at Inkdial on Instagram, at Inkdial. Our real-time show listeners will know him because we performed the blind reveal with Chapek via Ben and his incredible talent. His business cards, and I wrote him after he sent them to me, I said, his business cards are better quality than my house. It's unbelievable. Like, I don't know how much money he spent on them, but um, the finish is just superb. So, Yeah. That's a never-ending source of inspiration. But tell me this, do you feel, or are you starting to feel, a little less alone since the establishment of the British Alliance of Watchmakers, Clockmakers, and Time Obsessives, thanks to Roger Smith and Christopher Ward? I'd say yes. At first, I resisted uh, that movement um, in respect to not really understanding where I I would fit in. to that and and of what help or I could be but actually lately we I've done more with them and uh found them to be uh really sincere and genuinely uh interested in f- furthering the industry of watchmaking um here and for that reason I've I've decided to kind of uh get a little bit more involved um speaking to uh the team and uh, doing a podcast with them and talking about all their plans and what what they intend to do for us and how we can help in return for the good of the collective, as it were. Um, I'm generally quite friendly with uh, many of the members and uh, some of them 
particularly that we will share suppliers and help each other out when we're in difficulty. I'll get asked how I do this and, uh, uh, and, and, um, I'll get asked how I might do a specific thing like, uh, marketing tips or other bits. I'm happy to share what I know, uh, always. And in return, you know, I might say I need a, I need some movements and somebody may, may say, yes, I can help you with that. So I've got, I've got this, uh, would you like these? And so it is a, it's a great two-way thing generally. And, um, I love the fact that we all have our own place. There is room for all of us without there being the competitive edge that stops us communicating effectively. There is always a little bit of competition, of course, and that's healthy, but uh, we find, maybe this is typically British, that it's not so strong that we don't talk to each other and help each other out. I mean, this is really growing now. There's over 70 brands involved in this alliance. And uh, by the way, I don't know if you know, you probably do. You're on the homepage right now. First thing you see when you click on the British Watch and Clockmakers uh, .com website is a very charming picture of you in a nice three-piece smiling and promoting the podcast that you just mentioned so if anyone hasn't heard that go along to that that's www.britishwatchmakers.com and have a look there this is really quite an exceptional conglomeration of talent and of inspiration and i think going to stand british watchmaking in great stead in the future especially as major luxury groups flounder around with their pricing strategies and continue to alienate many buyers around the world. Do you see this as an opportunity now for British watchmaking to really push into the gaps being created by the somewhat clueless European industry? I do actually, and uh, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the fact that the, the kind of messiness, for want of a better way of putting it, that uh, occurs in, in Europe means that we can solidify ourselves as... Um, as more than a more than a um and we can solidify our position as more than a have a go industry and establish ourselves as as uh stalwarts of watchmaking as we used to be of course and that's exciting to me to be able to bring that back i mean that was always the endeavor right right from the beginning i mean 12 years ago i sat on a panel with uh you know chris ward and giles english from vermont uh, and we talked about these things. And uh, what was important then was the made in the UK, made in Britain badge. I think that's less important uh, right now. But what is important is the industry as a whole, as in still endeavouring to do as much as we possibly can within the UK, being UK-based industry. And um, it's a great opportunity at the moment as people move away from the high street brands and become more interested in independence like ourselves and the stories that we tell, understanding that there is more to making a watch than just the engineering side of things. There is the design and the language and the vibe and the thematics and the narratives that go with that product. And all of those things are, are give you greater depth and greater adherence to the thing that you're spending your money on. And that's certainly where we fit into that. It's, a, it's something to hang your coat on, as it were, that story and that narrative. Um, and the independents offer that way more than the high street brands can. It's very superficial in the high street generally. Um, and that's where we fit in. That's, that's exciting, I think. 
that is exciting and there is much excitement to be had at this event and around it so if you are able to get down to brighton on september 16th this year do go along and introduce yourself to all of these wonderful british makers that are showing their products and personalities over that event giles thanks again for taking the time to talk to us i personally cannot wait to see what you're going to be showing this year because a lot of those projects that you have underway have been a long time coming i know how important they are to you and how big they will be for the brand of schofield so thank you again and let's get you on for your fourth appearance on the real-time show as soon as possible brilliant thank you rob 